We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome into the SoRare Andrews podcast brought to you by Rotowire. I am Andrew Laird, Lairdino on SoRare, joined as always by Andy Black. You can find him at Black on SoRare. And today we are joined once again by Sean Newsham, PSU fans too on SoRare. Sean, welcome back. How's it going? Just looking up uh, Madron jerseys right now on uh, their website. Took us not even like eight seconds to bring up the fire stack. Um, but shouldn't you? Oh, no, you didn't get the jersey in the deal. I did not get the jersey in the deal, but the Don now has Madron super rare, so he can he can wear the jersey proudly again. Gotcha. Do you think there's any way he buys the super rare if he didn't have the jersey? Probably, because I, I mean he bought it. He was looking for super rares to fill out like a D two and D three, and and Madron, I think he got it for like point two e. So like it was like point two or point two five, and either way, it was I mean it's way too cheap for for yeah. a card like that. Because I've been, ta- I was talking to him about it because he messaged me about how uh, how good he was doing it. I said, "I'm like, there's a super rare coming up. You should just buy the auction on the super rare." There it was. Uh, <clears throat> so we tentatively ta- said we were going to talk about uh, getting ready for the upcoming Euro season, which I remember when the season ended. It was it felt like the summer was going to be pretty quick, and it feels like it's been about ten years since I've seen these guys play, but. Sean, how far along are you? Like, if the season started today, like, what what percentage do you think you're ready to actually dive in? Yeah, I'm ready. Uh, I have players to play. The, the issue is, is so, like, I don't have the stacks fully sorted out that I would want to have uh, because just way too many moves, way too many transfers, and, and those things need to shake out. Like, I would say we've seen, like, 10 15% of the moves that we will see shake out. So, like, I'm sorted, obviously, in Asia and America. Like, I feel legit sorted there. I would assume I will feel sorted in Europe come two months into the season, give or take, or as sore as I can be. But I got to make a lot of moves. Black and I have actually talked offline quite a bit about different options, different teams to sort of look at and how to approach challenger and champion Europe. Andy, what do you, do you think you're diving in? Like, actually we were talking about how you were like, it's so frustrating to like try to do it with all the transfers that are happening because it's not even like you need the – it's not like you buying or even need the guys who are moving, but, like, anybody who comes into the team could ruin somebody you have. So, like, yeah. how are you dealing with those? Um, 
I'm kind of in the same boat as Sean right now where it's a lot of kind of sitting and waiting. Uh, I did, I did go ahead and make a <clears throat> Milan stack, but even a lot of that is uh, unknown pieces. I mean, I know Mignon's going to be there and I know Tamori will be there, but uh, there's rumors of, uh, Vlasic going there, which I, I own his card, but I don't, I'm not really planning on him being there and Giroux there's plans of him going there, which I don't know that he would even play that much there, but, um, yeah, I, I think I, I speculatively built that one. Um, but more so I am waiting to see how other things shake out. Like I would really like to make a strategic D2 stack for champion Europe because I can't buy the best players. I can't buy the, the studs that are going to, I just can't afford them. I'm not, I'm not going to own Neymar and Mbappe and the Ronaldo, those guys. So I'm going to have to have a strategic um, path there. And I don't have a real solid plan yet. I was kind of looking at Roma for a bit, but um, Patrico is not even on uh, uh, their new goalkeeper. Patrico isn't even on so rare yet. So, you know, how long am I waiting to get him? Am I waiting two months, three months uh, into the season? I don't know. And uh, that that's kind of the frustrating part there where it's like, I could build a stack and not even have the, the key element to the team. Are you considering Roma to be the Chicago fire of uh, Syria? A? <laughs> Maybe, but you know, the, the more Sean and I talk, the more I'm talking myself out of doing that stack because they don't have midweeks. They have no Europa or champions league or anything going on. So um, I, I do think it could be an affordable stack for me to go after, but um then I kind of lose a little bit of value there midweeks where I can't run it. And I kind of want to be able to run a team midweek if I can. But then again, to run a midweek team, you're looking at, you know, an expensive team. Most likely, at least for the, for champions league Europa, I guess you can get a little bit of a cheaper path. Yeah, possibly. So this uh, Milan stack there's no way you consider building a Milan stack without Mignon and you had him already, right? Exactly. So I've had that. So you, you are building a stack because you had the goalie already. And Sean, we've talked about another uh, stack, a challenger one where you had the defensive pieces, but not the goalie. So obviously the goalie is a huge part of any defensive stack. I mean, it's silly not to have it, but do you think, you end up, do you think most of your stacks start because you have the goalie already or vice versa and you have to go out and get the goalie? I think it depends. I think it's more so the expensive pieces or the more expensive pieces. Like, so for Black to go out and get the AC Milan stack, Mangina was the more expensive piece compared to that of like Tamori and the other options. For me, I'm currently working on an inner Milan stack for uh, D4 in Champ Europe. And Bastoni and Screenar are more expensive than that of Handanovich due to him being 88 years old. So uh, I think it really depends on like who the most expensive pieces are and who you really want from that perspective. But all other regions, I, I think the way I'm sort of approaching things right now is that in D2 and D1, I will present, um, and this is, goes for America and Asia. Right now, my plan is D2, D1 are stacks of some sort. Uh, and then D3 
D3 and D4, I'm going to play my best players over the um, global and America region. So like if I have a Carlos Gill rare, I will play him in D3, D4. Or like if I have like, uh, I have Jack Christ super rare, like I will play that in D3 and D4. Uh, one of the D3s as an option. But for Champ Europe, I really think that it's difficult to compete with the uh, Neymars, the Lewandowskis and everything, unless you have a stack in general, if you're playing at a disadvantage. So like what my preparation is going to be for that is I'm going to plan to stack D3 or D4 and D2 and then I might just run my best options elsewhere as scraps in D3 because I, I think I can get, for example, like I just bought a Cruz recently. Like I can play Cruz in D3, get a super rare defender to pair with a goalie, whoever that may be. I, I don't know yet. Um, and then a, I can get a forward that's probably not going to be as good. Uh, I know that like Carl Toko Akambi is rumored to go elsewhere, but like let's say he stays at Lyon. Like I can run him realistically in that D3 lineup and be okay some of the time and then get another decent card to fill out my D3. But D2, I would definitely want to have a stack if I'm going into D2 and I've looked at different options for it. Um, D4, Sean, yeah. ideal world, are you running stacks in all of those divisions? I don't think you ever want to fully run stacks in every division if you have the elite cards to not run stacks. Like if gotcha. I had elite cards, if I had Neymar, Lewandowski, Cruz, whoever at defense. Like, I would just yeah. run them all individually. But I, I don't have that, and I'm not in a position where I'm likely going to have that. Right. Like, if I can't have that, I would much rather have stacks. But the, part of what I like with the Milan stack, so, like, this inner Milan stack that I'm running, for example, I can break it in half. If I want to run the defensive part of that stack in D3, and then with a super rare forward and midfielder, I can. Or if I want to run, let's say, so right now the issue for me with this stack is I prefer Lukaku, but I can't justify his price point over what Lataro is. So mm -hmm. I'm trying to get Lukaku at a reasonable price, and I've been working on that for a while, and it's not <laughs> happening. I, I bet you've been working on it for a while. <laughs> it's, yeah. been like, it's been like five days or a week at least. It's been No, it's been like at least a week because I remember talking to someone about it over a week ago. And I, and I want to pay, like, I want to pay what the last price was on him. And he's listed at, like, 1.6 in the secondary. I think he's worth, like, 1.25 right now. And I'm willing to give, like, 1.3 because that's what the last was. But nobody's budged on that. So I'm working on that because, like, I would rather have him for, like, 1.3 than Lautaro at, like, 0.9. But I'd rather have, like, Lautaro at 0.9 than him at 1.6. Yeah. So – and not to mention, like I said, like I now have the defensive part ironed out. If I can't get him, then I will just plan on running like a stack with the defensive portion. And that works fine for me uh, to go into D4, D3. But so like I'm not, I needed Handanovich regardless because I wanted to have the defensive option. I don't necessarily need him because I can break it down if I want to. So I actually have two separate questions about that. You have previously said you wanted no part of champion Europe. I mean, obviously you were going to enter because you had the cards, but like. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I said that champion Europe is a far worse investment than all the other regions. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so like, real quick. Why do you say that? I think that your investment and your risk is a lot greater in champion Europe. Great. Granted, your return can be also a lot greater, but for right. you. Your risk is higher, but that doesn't mean it's bad. It's not bad. No, every single region that you can play is good. 
But if you have the opportunity, like Laird, Laird, your gallery is 10 to 20 ether, I would assume. I don't know exactly. I haven't looked at it recently. But like for you, focusing on D3 America is a better ROI or like D2. D2, we've talked about. D2 is very strong right now. You spending, let's say, two ether on D2 America is a much better investment for you than spending two ether on D4 champion Europe. Yep. So if you have to pick between the two, I would go for D2 champion America. I'm at a position now, my America is sorted out D1 through four. My Asia is sorted out D1 through four. And realistically, like my plan with those is that, like last week, I won a Madron super rare. I can now use that going forward. It bolsters my my team a bit. Uh, I won a Glesnus rare the other week. I can now use that to bolster my team in America D4. I won a Asian card that was reasonable. Like that's a guy that I can play going forward. So like I'm looking at those regions right now is where like my rewards can sustain where I'm at. And I'm confident in those. Uh, Champ Europe or Challenger Europe. I am, I have a lot of cards. Black and I were laughing about this yesterday. I have like 61 super rares in Challenger Europe. But, like, six of them are marquee or decent players. And, and of those guys, like, one of them Sam B. Lacona. He's gone. One of them is Paul Onowashu. He's likely gone. Um, one of them is Johnny Bruno, who left but went to a better team that probably is better for him. So, like, he's probably even slightly improved from what he was. But, so, like, my challenger Europe, I'm not going to say is sorted, but it's, like, in a position where, like, I have a lot of cards and I'm okay with it right now. And then my U23 is okay. U23, you just always need to replenish or refill to some extent. And then it doesn't really matter where the cards are, for example. Like I refilled some American U23 options. I refilled some uh, Asian U23 options. And then I have quite a few Challenger Europe U23 options. So like my idea with that is that it will sort of fill itself out. But so now I'm basically in a position where I either am replenishing or refreshing my teams elsewhere, or I can start making better champ Europe teams. So I think I'm in a position now where like making a champ Europe D4 makes sense. Then I'm going to work on a D3. Then I'm going to work on a D2. I'm not sure if I'm going to get into the D2 situation quite yet, uh, but I'm going to work my way towards it. Like I know, I told Black, like, my Inter Milan stack in D4 is going to cost me about, let's say, two, two and a half ETH. I think for me to run the exact same stack in D2, it would cost me, like, 12, mm -hmm. 15. So, like, so two in, in D4? Two to two to two, to two and a half. And, and half of that is Lukaku. Gonna, how are you going to do that with Lukaku? I said half of that's Lukaku. Half of the two and a half is Lukaku. Like, it's it's probably a bit more. I guess it's probably closer to two and a half, three. Like Candanovic yeah. is like 0.4, Barella 0.4, Bastoni, Screen R, all around similar, and then Lukaku. So it's probably closer to three. But for me to run this exact same stack in D2, I'm talking like right. 12 to 15. I'm not yeah. trying If you can to... even fi find sellers for some of those cards, I mean uh, when you get in when you get into the super rares and those yeah. elite players on big teams, it's like yeah, finding a seller is going to be tough. Correct. And that's what well, you talked about, like, Rui Patricio. He doesn't have a card. When he comes out, like, there's Portuguese fans or there are yep. fans of Marseille. Or, I'm sorry, not Marseille, but Milan, which yep. we know there are. You're, there's even Wolves fans I know on here that would probably buy them. 
So you might be in a situation where you getting Patricio super rare is difficult. Uh, right. So it's just, yeah, no, I agree. It's, it's very difficult. So I'm going to, I want to sort out my D4. Sorting out my D4 is pretty much done. They will be playing in the Champions League. So like I get all the midweek utility from that. Um, and then like I have cards that I can sort of funnel into D3. Like for example, like I have Ruben Diaz rare. Great card. I can use that in D3. Uh, D3. I have other goalies. Like I have a few goalies that are um, champ Europe, Europe goalies that I can play. Great. They're fine. I have uh, Rand, like I have Rodrigo Bentoncourt, a super rare. Like I can play that occasionally um, in different things. So I think my plan is to get D4 sorted and then work my way to D3, D2 as we go. And like I really like to, I want to, I won Global All Star D2 month, month and a half ago and got Hilaire. Had I gotten like Lukaku or Salah or people like that, right. I would have moved into Europe D2 or at least Europe D3 and I would have planned around that card. So like, my I, hope is that at some point I can win a card like that that sort of propels me into that region. Exactly. And I, I think that you, you see that a lot where it is hard to, to deal with people and it's hard to acquire all the things that you need and they're not always going to come up on auction and you're not always going to get the best price. So, so sometimes build building, you know, whatever team you want to build, isn't, it might not be your ideal plan or the thing that you a hundred percent want to do, but it's kind of the path of least resistance. Like I'm already two pieces in or one piece in and I don't have to get the hardest piece now. Like you, you mentioned Salah. I mean, there's probably not a lot of people selling Salah Super Rares. Correct. And that's exactly it. Like you're looking at all these teams, especially the Champ Europe cards. I, I'm I'm realizing now that you, they're very difficult to get. So like what you sort of are looking for is you're sort of looking for an in within that team. Like, yep. like I had the Hatanaka unique. So it was pretty easy for me to build and plan around the Hatanaka unique. Um, America, I was able to have the Tinner Home unique. So it's easy for me to plan around that. So like, I don't know if I'll necessarily get a unique in D2. Like if for me to get, let's say I did the inner Milan stack, right? Me to get like a screen R unique is going to cost me like eight ETH, 10 ETH. I have no idea if I can even get it. Yeah. Um, so like my goal is just sort of, um, and, I, and I told you, like, you know, I put in another 10 ETH, let's say two months ago, right? And I've been winning rewards pretty decently recently. And of that 10 ETH, I have about like 9.8 of it left. I've added like, I've added a bunch of uniques to my gallery. I've added a bunch of super rares to my galleries. I've just sort of like sold off pieces here and there. Like I got Eddie and Green as a reward. I sold him for like 0.6 ETH. I got Benzema French card as a reward. Larry, who invited the the whale on seriously? <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean I I put all this money in, but I just keep winning. And so yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not I'm just trying to spend. Like I have this stuff back. But the issue right now is that the ETH price is sort of tanked that like when ETH price tanks, people just want absurd numbers that are just, yeah. I'm not going to pay. Like, I'm not going to pay three ETH for a card that like a week ago was worth like 1.5, even if things have fluctuated um, from a USD standpoint. But that's because I prefer the ETH valuation on things. Now, that said, if ETH goes back up to 3K, I'll be buying quite a bit of cards. And that's, I put the 10 ETH on, I think, at like 3 to 4K at a price point. So like I'm not going to be spending that ETH right now, um, other than like stuff I win for the most part because I just don't want to give away that value. I want that stuff there when stuff's going really cheap. We actually we were just talking about it yesterday. So Takawaka Super Rare, the goalie for uh, Marinos in Japan, 
I bought his super rare at like the top. I think it was like 4K ETH. Um, and I paid like 0.65 for him at the top. Well, I just resold him the other day for 0.95 because I have unique, so I don't really need him anymore. Um, but like, I'd rather accumulate the ETH and just let the ETH price go up than put it in elsewhere and worry about the, the USD currency out of it. Yeah, no, I think that's <clears throat> that continues to be the right way to go. That essentially we're going to be, we're too far into this game to not just consider ETH. I think the reason we consider USD is only because we wonder why ETH prices are going up. Like that's, it's not, it doesn't really change the price that we're paying. Cause I, I mean, at least for myself, I continue to just think in ETH and whether I can get more out of that. Sean, you, so you were trying to do a five man interstack. Andy, are you doing just three for Milan or are you going to try to go all five? I don't know. I'm going to have five, but it, I don't, that doesn't mean I'm always going to run it. So, um, if, if Vlasic goes there, I'll have Kessie, I'll have Tamori, I'll have Mac Mignon, um, possibly Giroux if he goes there. I'm not probably going to add anyone else, though. So potentially another defender. I was, I was kind of maybe thinking about adding another defender onto that just for weeks maybe where they're playing a, a really poor offensive team or something, and I could run the um, like a super defensive stack from that team and have three players and then maybe um, just kind of figure out my uh, – well, I'll have Kessie in the midfield and then figure out my forward, anybody. Um, with that said, though, I was kind of thinking about this, and I know Sean and I have kind of discussed this a little bit. Uh, oh, there you go. Drew confirmed at AC. That's cool. So I have my forward figured out, I guess, but I, I don't know how much he'll play and uh, or how well he'll even be. But uh, any rate – uh, we were talking about champion Europe and running defensive stacks. There are three, you know, defender, defender, goalkeeper. Does that give enough upside in champion Europe? Because the scores there are are massive. What are what are your guys' thoughts on enough upside from a defensive stack in champion Europe? I really don't know. I think that you might struggle to win, but. I think that you may be able to do well, but I think they have to score well. I don't think it's a situation like other areas where like you can play two okay defenders. I think you can have, you have to have good defenders. So like, for example, Bastoni and Screen R, which is the stack I plan on running, both average around 60. So if they're averaging around 60 and they get a clean sheet, like I'm expecting them to get 70-ish, I think I can do okay if, the three of if those two and Handanovic get me 70 each, and let's say I average 70 throughout all five guys, and then I get the bonuses of like let's say 50% or whatever over the whole team, and I get another 50, 75 points, give or take. I think that will be good enough to get like a top 10 or so, but I think I might struggle to win. Because it's going to be difficult. Like, you look at all the big galleries. They have Neymar. They have Lewandowski. They have uh, Ronaldo. They have all these guys that, like, just are going to put up 80. I don't necessarily think it's also in the um, can it win or can it not win or what can happen. I, I think it's the fact that, like, these other guys don't fail. Like, you look at Lewandowski. He has, like, one game under 60 in 30 games because he just scores every game. Uh, similar with, like, Neymar. Maybe Depay will be worse because he's on Barca. 
um, than what he did. But like, these are just guys that like, Hey, they get 70. It doesn't matter. They get 70. So it's more so that like those people have the ability to churn out that game. I, I think the key is always going to be the goaltender and you're going to need the goalie to get his clean sheet. And then it's from there what you can do. But like my goal is sort of like if I can churn out 65 to 70 average on my people, I'll be happy. And that's my only concern with my stack is that my current midfield plan, and I think it's probably the best plan, but the best plan might be Brozovic, uh, is Barella. And Barella's average is like 54. And he has a lot of games where he's around 50 to 55. And that just isn't going to cut it. But he does have enough 70s where he like nicks an assist or something. Right. So follow-up question to that then. Do you feel the same way about it? Because I think I do. I think Challenger might actually be just as hard or harder from the sheer fact that there's so many players and so many combinations and so many people competing there that the scores are just going to end up being higher. So playing like a low or like a high floor defensive stack is probably not good enough for podiums. I, I tend to think that is true. I think is you will have difficulties churning out podiums. That said, I think it is more likely you will have issues in D2 and D1. Uh, for example, I think one of the biggest issues is like, let's say you're playing D2. Well, you got AJ, you got YWA, you got Carapu, you got Max, you got Zurod, you got all of these guys that like, oh, hey, they got, they got De Bruyne unique, they got... Lewandowski, you need. Well, I'm talking about Challenger right now. No, no, okay. So Challenger, like you, I looked at AJ. AJ has like Bongonda unique. You have uh, Tadic unique. Like you, you have these big guys that like. Right. Hey, they're getting 75 to 80. That's just what they're getting. And I think at D4, you might be able to get the job done. And the reason I say that is because like I sort of did that with like my gank stacks. Um, I had like Vandevort, Lukumi, Munoz, and it got the job done. Um. I think it's going to be more difficult if you are playing in D2 and D1 and you're playing at a disadvantage. Like, for example, let's say you're playing in D2 without a unique. or you're I don't think D2. division matters at all. I think that all of the divisions, you're running against the same same stuff and more of the same stuff, which Definitely. when he says it's a roulette wheel, I 100% agree. I think those divisions are so watered down almost where they almost need to just say, we have a Jupiler League, we have yeah. a Irvadisi League, and we have an Everything Else League. Because right now it's like a big pool of like it might as well be global all star right now. It kind of feels like they're going to eventually shift to where like every league has their own league, right? I hope. Yeah. They just need the teams. Yeah. Like, yeah. Need the teams. like you could do a Jupiler league, or you could do an Arriva Divisi league, and I think you or MLS. Like you could do those leagues and be fine. Um, I think that obviously you need to have the full twenty teams in a league to be able to do something like that. But yeah, right. it's it's definitely possible. I, I'm, but then but then again, like right, those leagues, you're talking if you limit it to twenty people, if uh, the twenty teams, like for example, like if you use the Jupiler League, and you don't have Noah Lang, you don't have Bonganda, you don't have those like super duper 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 high end guys. It's very difficult to to get up there. But and you can say that about any division, though. I think that you're just baiting those guys and hoping that they have a bad week. Correct. And you are. Yeah. I think I think stacking a full defense, defense goalie will be good for you to get cards. I think you may struggle to podium. But I think if you put up 70 average over five players, you're going to have a chance at a podium, I would think. 
um, in D4, in D4, like if you can put up, let's say 420 points in challenge or in champion Europe, I think you can have a chance at a podium, um, which is really all you can ask for. Mm-hmm. You just need to kind of fade the big guys that week. Right. You need, you need you to know. hope talk, or you need to hope like Lewandowski doesn't score that weekend. It's like the random week where he doesn't score, where they play like Red Bull Leipzig and he doesn't have a good game. Right. And he gets 50 points or something like you, you hope it's something like that. But I think it's I think it's possible. I don't think that the it's it's a zero percent chance at hitting it. So the issue is is so like compared to America and Asia, America and Asia do not seem to have those ultimate alphas. Like America has Carlos Gill, um, yeah. but like the other players on Carlos Gill's team and like the forwards, they're just not the guys that are going to put up like nineties every single week. Uh, Vela obviously used to be that, but hasn't been thus far this season. And Asia doesn't really have it. Or if they do, it's like the front tail guys who rotate all the time and you could just eat zeros with anyways. Um, so, like, I think that it, it's it's – I still think stacking is the way to go because I think it's the easiest path to know that if something happens, you're going to get a decent card or have a shot at it. And yeah. for me, like, if, if I know this year, for example, if I run this Milan stack and Handanovic gets a clean sheet, I know I have a really good chance at getting a card to a good card and can maybe make something happen from there. Do you think you end up splitting it more often than not? Or do you think you're going to play all five? Um, I'm not sure yet. And that, and that's part of my, my discussion point. So like, right. Like here's, here's a scenario for you. Let's see what you guys think on this. I have, let's say I do not have the five man stack right now. And I have what I have. Do you force getting Lukaku with the idea of running the stack, or do you plan to run the um, what I have currently, and then run Cruz instead of Barella, and then run a forward that's let's say equivalent to Lukaku that isn't on on Inter? Like what? Shouldn't have sold that Benzema. Oh well, I so I actually thought of that. If I still had the Benzema, I have Varane, and I also have Nacho. I'm pretty sure if I did not sell the Benzema. I would have been going for a Real Madrid stack um, instead of what I'm doing currently. But but it doesn't even seem like you needed the whole stack. Like if you just had the defensive stack from Inter and the attacking Correct. stack from Madrid. Correct. That seems. And I don't think that there's really any value in having the full team stack uh, beyond them playing together on a midweek, which is um, huge, though. Which we've established is huge. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But. I mean, just regular weekend game, I think that if you're going to do a defensive stack, that's fine. And then you can fill midfielder and forward. And if you want to stack them together, by all means. But I don't know that it I don't know that it all needs to be together. Correct. And so something I've thought about in relation to all that is going and getting a Benzema. I think I, I so I can get a Benzema, for example, for cheaper than what I sold them for. I'm pretty confident in that. Um, but so my idea is that I could go get a Benzema and run the inter stack with Cruz and Benzema, or I can run Cruz and Benzema in a D3 stack where I go out and buy a goalie and a defender or two with two super rares and run that in D3. So I I thought of both alternatives. And and the nice thing is, is that like I can sort of prepare to do both, right? Like I can try to go out and get a Benzema and then also try to go out and get a Lukaku with the idea of like, ideally I want to do both in the long run. The issue for me, I guess, with the, the whole Madrid stack and the whole idea of a, 
a whole Madrid stack is one, their center backs have been rumored to be moving frequently recently. Um, and then two, uh, Courtois is just really expensive. I don't necessarily know if I want Courtois. And then also Benzema is really old. I don't necessarily want Benzema per se either. Despite like, I really like Benzema. I think Benzema has been one of the more underrated players in the world over like the last five to six years. I mean, he's 33. Yeah. He's not like 39. Yeah, 33 on, on a team that's that good, I think, is is concerning. Harsh, harsh. Uh, so I think I know I'm old. <laughs> I'm old. So I think, uh, Andy, you make that good point that I think people kind of skip over in that the five man stack makes the midweek so much easier. And obviously, you need a five man stack from a team that's playing midweek. But I find myself like with this River Plate stack ever since they added Copa uh, Liberatores to the to the platform, like I have that five man stack, but I, I split them. I usually split them in yeah. weekends. Uh, is there any thought of like, Sean, would you buy more than five Inter Milan players so that you could keep the stack and sprinkle elsewhere? Or do you think five is enough? Uh, I would consider like, I've, I've looked at Brozovic. I've looked at Lataro. I've looked at DeVry. To, to see what to do. And yeah, like the midweek stuff is, is causes some issues where you have rotation, but like the champions league, like you're very confident. They're going to run the top players in the champions league. Obviously Libertadores has been a bit difficult, but like having people for the midweeks is huge. Like I know El Cid, he's prepared. He prepared for the Monero guys. Did you guys see what he did this week? Yes. Absolutely cleaned up. He crushed it. One, like one, like six cards, won three divisions, had like three podiums, three, no, three wins. He won. Real quick, everybody that doesn't know what we're talking about, go look up the so rare data results this week and go look at L E L space Sid C I D. Right. Yep. He absolutely crushed it. He's a good guy. He's been someone that's put in a lot of, a lot of thought and a lot of planning in his stuff. And, and to be fair, he got punished a little bit with um, with how things worked, I guess, with Monero and how things worked with Copa America. But yeah. um, it's great to see something like that. But like, for example, let's say Inter Milan or Real Madrid go to the semis of the Champions League. Now, if you have those teams, you're running out versus non-stacks or not very limited teams. It's, it's more difficult. Now, that said, I was on the platform with Inter – did they wrap or did they get rid of inter players in bundles or individuals, Black? Inter inter players? Yeah, inter one. Was it bundles or individuals? I think I it was individuals. I, I, I want to say they were individual, but yeah. I, so so the issue, here's the issue, right? And I've seen this with Minero. I've seen this with other teams. Um, especially so like Real Madrid, cards are all sold in a bundle. Anyone that buys a bundle has five cards. That means there are a lot of Real Madrid stacks out there because just you bit, get a stack when you buy their team, basically. Um, kind of. It makes those teams. Yeah, it, depends, it depends on the stack. On the it does. It, does. Yeah. it depends on the stack. And like sometimes people will buy, like I bought a Real Madrid stack and I sold two pieces to pay for the other three pieces in the stack. So like people sure. do stuff like that too. But I'm just saying, like, if you only go for a one stop shop to get the entire team stacked, a lot more people are going to have that entire team stack. Like, for example, if you got to go individually buy, like Black talked about his Roma stack. If you got to go individually buy five individual pieces off Roma, you actually had a plan for that. Go out and buy five individual pieces. Not a lot of people are going to have that stack in comparison to that of a Real Madrid stack. Um, so that's something to think about. Like, if you look at these game weeks in America, 
there are so many Monero stacks. It's insane. So like, even if your Monero stack does well, there's another 150 of them out there that could also do well. And you get like 10. Whereas like, if I just play my Chicago fire stack, for example, and <laughs> always comes back to that, always, always got to come full circle and everyone else runs their Monero stacks. Like the other week, Monero, no one on the team like cracked like 50 other than the goalie. Cause there was a zero, zero look, must've been a terrible game. Both teams did nothing. Um, but all of a sudden, like everybody's dead because they all have a Monero stack and no one did anything. And then my Chicago fire stack just trucks right on through because I got some goals from some people and they beat them. Um, I will so say, I will say the, the thing I love about that stack, even though I hate it, um, is, is the fact that, you know, when they perform well, you're the only one that has it. Mm-hmm. And when they don't, you're just like, eh, move on to next week. Like yeah. you, you got them all together. They're guys that, you know, you, you may or may not have high expectations for. I don't really know what your perspective is of that week in and week out. You know, if they have a tough match matchup, you roll them out there. I don't know what your personal expectations are, but in the end you move on if they have a bad week. Correct. I mean, my, so my expectation is if, if I try not to play players in, in bad matchups, like you and I were talking like Rui Diaz doesn't have the best matchup this weekend. I wouldn't play him if I had alternatives that had better matchups. Um, and that I do that everywhere. Like, for example, like I have a crew matchup and a fire. I have both of them. I can D2 stack and I will prioritize whichever one has a better matchup. But if one of them has a terrible matchup, I might not even run that stack. I might just sit on that stack and play other players and just sort of piecemeal the team together. Like my inner Milan stack, let's say they play Juve at Juve and they're a big underdog. And I think that they suck that week and I'm not interested. Well, I might just piecemeal a team in instead of running their stack. So I, I think that doing something like that does make sense in occasions. But like I have the Chicago Fire stack this week, sort of. And I broke it off because I didn't want to run the whole stack because their matchup is not good. Um, Madron, I think, is kind of matchup proof right now. Like I think he's going to churn regardless. Yeah. But what I did is I global d2 to get a card like you need to have really good scores and you need to have good performances and i have two big question mark players on colorado but both are elite elite plays if they play so what i did is i sort of broke the fire stack in half and played them with the the rapids guys this week um and like this week like global d2 you need legit good scores in global d2 to get a card in america d2 you do not great scores to get a card like if you get a bunch of 50s you're definitely getting a card in in america d2 so um i definitely think like, how many it is yeah does, does that include the, the dnp issue i didn't even look at the announcement today no. oh uh, they fixed they fixed the uh the pools next week i think it's next week there's not gonna be as many dnps in it but like if i finish so messed up yeah, if I finish 45th in America D2 and get some turd, I don't really care. Like, that's better yeah. than Rota got otherwise. So, right. Um, but, like, yeah, so, like, I'll prioritize based on that. And, and for me, my expectations are are limited every week. Uh, it all depends what the matchup is. Like, I, I, I've i talked to you, like, D1, if, if um, Marinos has a matchup where they play front tail, my, my expectations are not high. I'm not even expecting to get a card. If yeah. they're playing, like, Shimizu S Pulse, like I'm like, all right, I'm expecting them to do well and give me a card. So it all depends on lineup based, uh, or it all depends on week to week situation with like what my expectations are. But I have my whole expectations in general for my gallery on a week by week basis. Short weeks don't count because, like, if you have three contests, 
you just hope to get whatever you can get out of it. You can't do anything. But yeah. on like a full week, I expect to get like a card in D1. I want a card in one of my three D1 lineups. And then I want like two to three other cards with at least like a tier one or something. And I figure if I get a card in D1, one of them, and I get three to four, two to th two to four cards elsewhere with like one T1, I'm probably making like a good amount of return every week that I'm happy with. Obviously, like you're gonna have a week like El Cid. Like El Cid, he just turned out he his rewards were terrible. He ran really unlucky on his rewards, but he still made like two and a half ETH on that week. So like it's like, oh hey, he paid like probably four ETH for every card that he played the entire week on like 10 lineups, and he made two and a half ETH in rewards than one week. That's great return. Yeah. Uh, so like realistically for me, I just want to get some cards. I don't like to get, I, I don't think actually, since I've been on the platform and like had a gallery that was reasonable size, I do not think I have been shut out from getting a card at all. That's I good. Think, I think I've gotten a card. You saw it every week yeah well i mean i run chicago fire sacks i've tried to i've tried to lead you to the promised land and you uh -huh. just shun so have, have you ever played played all five yet we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah. Oh, I play all five when Calvo's there. Calvo's not there, so I have to sort of break it off a little bit. No, I know. So have you actually played all five yet? Yeah, I played all five a lot. I played all five like, before Frankowski went to Euros. I played all five like four or five times. So he only played all five when they were playing bad. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Magically, when he broke it up, he started winning everything. I didn't. You okay? You guys gave me shit when I played Carlos Gill with him, which I mean, I don't know why I get shit. For yeah, that. I missed that trade to Chicago, but but I played Preston. Like Brisson sucks, dude. <laughs> dude's terrible. Dude's been like abysmal for like the entire season. You can't like I would much rather have played Calvo. If I played Calvo, that lineup probably puts up like five hundred points. But when Calvo returns from the Gold Cup, the team will be reunited in full. Right. <laughs> so real quick, in an effort to steer us back on on topic. Um, Championship players. So we talked about 
both Europa League players and Champion League players for midweeks. Are there any players from the championship you guys are maybe targeting or teams that you're targeting or anybody like that for, for midweek plays? You're talking English championship, right? Yes. Not really. I mean, if someone – so the issue is, is they're just not – we we don't have – there's no stacks to have. If, if someone right. shows up in my – correlation. Yeah, if someone shows up in my law, my lineup that makes sense, I, like, cool. I think Celtic guys would be good guys to have. I think that that, uh, that league is not great. And, like, yep. if you have people like Haji, if Fashion Sakala becomes, like, a player there, I think there's some validity in that. But in general, like, I'm not super worried about it. Um I'm not like out there like looking for championship guys. I think I had a few last year, but it's not something I'm out there like looking at hard. I think there's not some good value the there. What do you think, Laird? You're not scoping the streets for the Ethan Horvath uh, 44 st- starts, even though we'll probably only have five. I I list. I have two of them. I listed one for sale um, the other day. Oh, I, I mean, his I his agent should be fired if he does not have the starting gig at that new team he's at. Why don't you just decide you're going to go to the MLS, go to Inter Miami, and start at Inter Miami? I'm just picking any team. You're American. Go play. Go play in America. You're going to get decent money. Like you would have got decent money in America. Like go play in America. Yeah. Don't deal with all this other non. Like really, what really baffles me is when people end up like when Diego Rossi was rumored to go to Krasnodar, could you imagine going to Krasnodar and just instead of LA, like I'll just stay in LA and make my $5 million a year instead of going to Krasnodar for a year. Like give me, Haven't you give seen me a better chance. Beautiful there. What? Haven't you seen Krasnodar? It's beautiful there. I have not seen Krasnodar. I'm it's like the, yeah, it's like the, you know, Daytona beach of uh, Russia, I think. No, well, maybe I would, maybe I would consider going to Krasnodar <laughs> then who knows, but. Yeah, no, I just I, I always and it blows my mind whenever anybody goes somewhere without being very confident they are going to start. Yeah. Because man, I can't imagine going somewhere and sitting on the bench for a year, year and a half. Because if you do that, your whole you basically are ruining like five years of your career if you do something like that, because your next contract's gonna be terrible and you're gonna get paid terribly. With the exception of like, let's say, let's say Barcelona comes and like here's a Brinks truck, enjoy. You're gonna sit on the bench. Okay, fine. I'll go. Take. If if someone's gonna pay you a lot of money to go sit on a bench or not have a position locked down, you go do that. But if you're going to sit, if you're Ethan Horvath and your option is like Nottingham Forest or like starting every single game for New York Red Bulls or something, like what are you doing? Not just going to that team. Sean, you really excited Quinny when you said you know, you were going to talk about Celtic players and then you ripped off the names of a couple of Rangers players and Sakala and Hagi. Oh, well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I, I, yes, I used Rangers players and said, yeah, well, same thing. <laughs> same thing. Celtic, I mean. I think you offended him. This my I'm, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to, to, to offend the Scottish Premier League. But yeah, same thing. Like the, Scott, the Celtic players, the, the, the Rangers guys, like it, it's the same thought process with those guys. Like I think they're better options than the guys from the uh, the championship realistically. But the championship plays so many games. So many they do. Games. I, That's, yeah. I, I've got yeah. Kaminsky, and he just played – like it feels like he plays every midweek, and he, he's not great. No. We'll get you the 40 points or whatever, and you get a goalie at least. I, I think that goalies are the exception. If you get a goalie that plays in the championship that plays 46 games, that provides a lot of value. Yeah, yeah, because there are plenty of midweeks where people don't have a goalie. 
but yeah. you may have the outfield players, but the goal you don't. So, well, let's hope that that Horvath gets the starting gig and actually plays forty six games this year. Well, I don't really care, but yeah, sorry, Quinny. Horvath. So, how about Europa uh, Europa League or Champion League uh, players? Anybody in particular? I know you're targeting like, some inner guys, Laird. You looking at uh, Champion Europe at all? Uh, it's funny. I was going to ask a similar question, but not in terms of midweek. But like, were there any challenger guys that you you two already owned that moved to a Champion Europe team and could start to build around that? Like, I wasn't going to play Champion Europe at all, but I had a few guys move. Shout out to Martin Hongla. Yeah. But like, I'm, I'm not going to win anything with those with these guys, but like, I could play them, and so yeah. it's another entry. Vlasic would be the only one if he moves, but it, I don't. I don't know. He I don't have. think I have anybody that is transferred yet that would make sense from a standpoint. Like, obviously, Sammy Lacona is gone, and he's at Arsenal. But I mean, is what it is. Um, on a watch, you probably ends up on a team in a Big Five league that I have no. Who was that? On a watch, you. Okay, I never knew how to pronounce that name. Yeah, he probably ends up there. Lakumi's been rumored to like Sevilla, and so I, I'm gonna have a lot of guys that are moving to Champ Europe. I, I just with majorly tempered expectations because, yeah. yeah, I think that honestly, any move, I think you have to just temper your expectations at first, um, because a move is disruption in the the. the the player and and breaks up chemistry and a lot of times you don't see a player succeed right away after a move. I'm sure there's there's uh, exceptions, but for the most part you don't see that instant success. Uh, and then when you're moving up leagues too, that makes it even more difficult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sean, I, don't you have a Nemeka? No, I don't have him. I tried to get him a lot, but I couldn't get him because I had the whole. I had the whole Anderlecht team. I had the, what you could all you could use all of them in U23. So I wanted him for like months, and I, every time I tried to get him, it was just like because I didn't want to buy him because of this. Like him going to Wolfsburg seems really bad to me. Um, they're not great. He's not going to score a lot of goals. Like I, I don't know. I think it's really really bad for him. Um, so like for me, like I, I didn't want to get him because of something like that. And also, yeah, I've looked at Zeno guys. I, I've considered going out and buying him. I need to sort through. For me, I, I've I've tried to like prioritize what I do and how I go about adjusting my teams. Um, I like to sort through my issues before I go into other buys. So like my current sorting situation is Lukaku or Lotaro, and it was Handanovic, but now I sorted him. Um, like last a couple weeks ago, it was getting uh, Asian mids, which I've now got i would like one japanese super rare mid but otherwise i sort of that and then before that it was like mls players super rare so like i sorted through all that stuff so like my current thing is uh is the inter stack and then after that i got to decide if i want to go and get like some marquee super rares in challenger europe first or if i'd rather work on other things instead yeah, I think uh, Wolfers in the Wolfers in the Champs League. I didn't know they finished that high of the table. I don't know. I, I just I just don't. It was a year before they almost got relegated. Yeah, that's I I didn't follow the Bundesliga as much at the end of last year because no one's really well. No one other than Bayern is like on the platform, and I don't have any Bayern guys, so I don't care what they were doing ever because they were the Leverkusen out. guys. 
Yeah. Oh, and, I have Leon Bailey. Yeah, you're and right. There's all those like guys sprinkled out throughout the league. There's third round people, but yeah. I, I didn't know they were finished fourth. I don't know. It still doesn't feel like a good move for him. Because the way I look at it is any U23 player for the most part, you're playing in U23. So what league they're in does not matter. You just want them to play and do well. So like obviously, like someone like Mecha is gonna do way better at Anderlecht than he's gonna do at Wolfsburg in theory. Now that said, obviously. That's where the upside comes in. If he does well at Wolfsburg and he scores at a similar clip yeah. to what he did at Anderlecht, that's huge. So there's built-in upside, there's built-in downside, and I I just try to avoid those situations, I guess, because like I just want my guys playing where I need them to play, and then like I know I'm going to have guys transfer to Champ Europe, and when they transfer to Champ Europe, we'll see how they do. But I'm not gonna. I'm not going to sit there and build around a player that just moved to champ Europe. I'm going to sit there and look at him and be like, all right. Oh, I know about Maxi Arnold. We, I, he's been around DFS a bit. I, I'm aware of Maxi Arnold. Um, but it's, it's a situation where I'm not going to build around a guy that just moves in. I'd rather build around more structured teams, but that said like challenge Europe. I, I, what I've realized more this off season and this transfer window is that, you can't worry about stacking players for long term. You have to worry about one season. It's one season. That's all you're planning on the stack for. If they last longer than one season, it's fantastic. But like these guys in Champ Europe, they're all using it as a stepping stone to get to Champ Europe for the most part. Um, and if you're sitting there like like my gank stack, my gank stack won me a lot of cards last year. But this year, the only person I realistically, the only person that has not been rumored to move from Gank at any point. And I have everyone in their starting lineup, I think, pretty much, except for Artiega and Horowski. I have everyone else. Uh, the only people I have not heard rumors for transfer is Hainan and Vandevoort. And everyone else I've heard rumors for. And Vandevoort could go whenever, too. Like, he's definitely, I mean, he's going at some point. He's going at some point. So like, it's a situation where I've just sort of realized I want players that work as a staff for that year, and then after that, I'm not as worried about it. It's funny, we were talking about uh, after the Tanaka move that, um, I think, Andy, you were saying that the U23s in like in Japan, there's that huge risk that they end up going to a league that's not covered. Yeah. But And obviously not covered at all is bad, but even like the really good challenger U23s, as soon as they go to Champion Europe, like there's, there's no way they can keep up the same production, at least right. in the first year. And, and it's almost like... You have a they lost year. They can do it if they're center backs or like defensive mids. Like I would sure. think Sambi Lacogna will do similar work at Arsenal as what he did at Anderlecht if he plays every game, which is right. a massive question mark. But like a forward, almost any forward that steps up from like challenger to champ, like Noah Lang put up like 70s last year on average. Like if he showed up at Leeds United, he's not putting up 70s on average. 100%. Um, so it's, it's very – it's very confusing what to do with guys. And like, I think what you want realistically, this is what you want with all your players. You want to have your 18 to 20 year olds in, cha in challenger Europe, play yep. two to three years there towards the end of their under 23 time. Like let's say when they're 23 to 24, you yeah. want them to transfer. That's the year they like sit out and work through all the kinks or whatever. But you want to utilize all of their U23 time in Challenger Europe or in MLS, in Japan, wherever. Yep, in the league that they can crush. You Correct. want your U23s in leagues that they can absolutely crush. Yeah, Correct. I think that's And then go move on and, and go be a big player in a big league somewhere. That's great.
Correct. Yeah. I think Sven Botman is the perfect example of like a younger guy who transferred to a bigger league, but still was able to maintain it. He wasn't like quite as good, but he was still really, really good. Yeah, I think right. Delaney, he's a center back and it, yeah. it works. It works with that. Like, so center backs, if they're on the best team in challenger Europe and they go to a very good team in champ Europe, you would expect similar replication of what they do. But if they go to like a shit team and really bad team in champ Europe, they're not going to keep as many clean sheets. They're probably not going to do as well in general as what they did elsewhere. Uh, but like if forward attacking related players, almost always bad from an SO5 points production standpoint, moving up. They're almost never going to replicate, but they don't necessarily need to replicate to still be as good. It's just you really want them to smash when they're U23 and you're using them there. Yeah, for sure. What is the preferred prize pool for you guys? Is it U23 or is it Champ Europe? I like them both. Okay. I just don't compete in your Champ Europe that it, I haven't even thought of it enough. Valid. But yeah, big U23. I kind of, I didn't like brush it off, but I just didn't like prioritize it early. And then when I finally was like, all right, let me get some U23 guys. And then you get one reward that you're like, oh, that's right. These are the kind of guys you can win. Yeah. It's like getting a, a terrible 17 year old is much better than getting a terrible 28 year old. I think that's the key, right? Getting a terrible 20, 19, 18 year old is so much better than getting that terrible 33 year old that is on the outs. Like right. it doesn't matter. <laughs> That 17-year-old, you always have hope that he can figure something out at some point and become relevant. Yeah, like I've gotten to the point where U23 is like absolutely the region, the division I or the region that I prioritize. Like yeah. every move I make is like, oh, can I get better in U23? And then I realize how expensive it is as you get up in divisions. But that is what it is. Are there any stacks that like are there any stacks that you considered making without any cards yet? Um, or did your cards lead to the stacks that you have? Generally, I would say the cards lead to the stacks I have, I guess. Um, I, obviously, like I'm talking like there might be elite level players that I haven't really worked. Like I would love a Bayern stack, but I'm not right, right, right. a Bayern stack. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any teams where I don't really have I don't I don't think there's any teams where I'm like I really want to create a stack. I just sort of look at it like I have enough players now I can build around and make teams for that. But I, I do think the more I've thought about stacking, stacking, especially when you're doing defensive stacking, works a lot better when you have teams that are going to more consistently keep a clean sheet. Um, not to say you can't stack with lower tier teams and when they do keep a clean sheet, you're probably gonna do really well that week. But if you can get guys on like PSV Ajax, um, Anderlecht, those type of teams that are going to keep clean sheets more frequently. I think that's more favorable from a stacking perspective. But yeah, I guess there's no teams that I've like been like, man, I really want to create that stack that I don't really have any pieces of. Let me ask this, even though I don't want to bring it back up. Like, how did the fire stack start? The fire stack started because so when I bought my galleries previously, I ended up with Barrick Super Rare, and I ended up with a Calvo Super Rare and a Frankowski Super Rare. Oh, right. So I ended up with all of them. With This was before I even realized staffing was definitely the, the way to go, and it was just natural that I got those three guys. So I got Calvo, Frankowski, Barrick, and then I was sitting there, and then once I realized staffing was better, I'm like, 
No one really plays these guys. I have all these guys. Madron Unique was out there. It was a card that I could get. Um, I said, I'm like, I really should just go after this Madron card. And then Shuttlesworth was dirt cheap. Yeah. So everyone's acting like Cronholm is going to come back and be the starter. I'm like, Cronholm's like 38 and old and been out for a year. Like, why is – and Shuttlesworth, in my opinion, has actually been pretty decent. Mm-hmm. Like, watching their games, I'm like, Shuttlesworth actually looks like a competent goaltender. Yeah. So, he looks solid. Yeah, like, I'm not saying he's the best goaltender in the league, but to me, right. he looks way more solid than others. Um, so I'm just sitting there. I'm like, well, I might as well go and take care of this. And then I had the whole fire stack. So, and actually, so similarly, the um, the Columbus Crew stack came to me very naturally as well. So I had Artur Super Rare from a long time ago, which I can't even use right now because he's just a disaster this year. Dead. Um, but I want no. So I was looking. I didn't. I had none. I had zero of them. This is what this is how it happened. I had none of them, and I wasn't even planning this to happen. But I won Eloy Room Super Rare, and I needed to fill. This goes back to what I talked about previously. I needed to fill cheaper options Super Rares that were dirt cheap. Pedro Santos was like 0.2 ETH, and AJ just won him, and I knew he didn't need him at all because he had one in. That's just not a card he's ever using. So I'm like, AJ, I'll give you 0.2 ETH. This place sold for yesterday at auction. He's like, sure. Bought Santos Super Rare. The next day, Zardis Super Rare is up there. He went for 0.39. I'm like, this is absurd. Like, yeah, he's been awful, but this is still a guy that plays every game. Scored a great goal last night. Yeah, it was a great goal. He never has scored that for USA in his life, but that was it was fantastic goal. And Bradley Ray Fultz is like 70. He's not a guy that's going to take minutes from Zardis. Yep. Like, he's been bad. Like he's going to be good again. So I'm like, all right, bought Zardis. And then Jonathan Mensa was like, I needed to fill defenders. So like I got like Lawless Abubakar. I got a couple other defenders and I got Mensa. So like all of a sudden I went from not having a Columbus crew stack or anything like it. And I had room Mensa, Artur, Santos and Zardis within a day. And that's the team that won, uh, one I won Global All Star D two with that team, and that team cost me so me, so room was a reward that at the time was worth like 0. 0.6. Mensa was a super rare that was like 0. 0.3. Santos I paid 0. 0.2. Zardis was 0. 0.4. So I played those four, which was like a total of like 1.3 ETH or whatever. And then I forget who else I played with them that week. I, I maybe it was like Luciano Acosta, might have been Carlos Gill. I don't know. Sometimes Carlos Gill makes his way in those lives. Um, <laughs> I think it was Acosta though. Like I don't know, maybe. Uh, and anyways, that lineup was like cost me not much at all. And I won Global D two, and I got the Benzema card that was worth one ETH. I won one ETH, and then I got like Lars Veldwick that was worth like 0.6 at the time. So like I got 2.6 ETH and rewards, and the team didn't even cost me that to put together. I gotta really, go. What, made, what made you go beyond the defensive stack? Because you easily could have just played Room, Mensa, and even you know theoretically a fit Archer. But like, why the need to get Santos and Zardes? Like I said, they were all individual pieces that I got individually because they fit a need I needed. I needed defenders. I needed a defender super rare from. America that played every game, scored okay, that was consistent. Mensa fit that bill. I needed a midfielder that played every game, 
that scored decently well that was really cheap. Santos fit that bill. I needed a forward that played every game, scored well, and Zardis fit that bill. So, like, like I said, every single one of those moves was done without planning to use it as a stack. It just naturally turned into a stack that I therefore then used as a stack. Oh, no, the player I used that week, it was actually a broken down stack. Never mind. The week I won Global American D2 or Global All-Star D2, I had, and I won it by like 60 points. I won it by a lot. I had Zardis and Santos. Zardis had a brace and Santos assisted on one of them. I had Jack Price who got an assist. I had Fukumori unique who had 100 points. He went nuts. Um, and then I had good old John McCarthy with his solid 34 because he's terrible. <laughs> but, but like I said, like I won this league, I won it by 54 points. You could take away the price assist and give him 30 points and I would have won it. But so that, that week it was a broken down modified stack, but other times I've ran that stack and done very well. Um, I won champion America D two, I think with a, or I got second in it with a very similar stack, but it actually might've been, uh, might've been the fire so, instead. So while we're talking about MLS, we have a question from three um crack for, UK-based players, your thoughts on what young Americans could follow Tessman to Europe? Um, so you see, hold on, Mueller, Neiman, but what about guys that maybe for people on a budget that might be interested, or should you want to buy these players? Because my thought is maybe you don't want to buy these players. I would recommend not buying them unless they're dirt cheap. Tessman, actually, I have, and I'm actually really happy about it because it's a super short print. Like, I have, like – yeah. That's one cool. of two super rares, and I paid like the, the reason I wanted it is I paid like 0.15 for it, and he doesn't play that. He plays occasionally. And I think his build and his like archetype is a productive SO5 player. So I'm all for that move. I think it's great. But like if I have a Busio, I'm not paying 1.52 ETH for Busio to go sit on the bench at Sampdoria. Um, is my my personal opinion. Not ideal. No, but like, so you you named quite a few that are going to be going to Europe or are rumored to Europe. Uh, Kevin Paredes is rumored to be going or being looked at. Um, and so like, actually, a lot of these guys I have, I have their super rares and I have the rares. But the idea for me behind them is that they're really cheap. Like I paid like 0.25 for Nyman. I point like, paid like 0.35 for Paredes. So like, if I lose them and go to Europe, my investment is not high. And if they do become a very good player there, they're worth way more than what they would have been in MLS. But like a, if I have a Busio or like a Gill or any of those type of guys, I do not want them going to Europe. I want them playing in America. What are your um, thoughts, Laird? Uh, Busio is like a different case though. Cause he crushes now. Like these yeah. Testament doesn't even play. Right. Like, yeah. So you have to like really go out on a limb. I was just looking, uh, Testament has 29 rare cards and three super rares. Yeah, and now he's I have one of the super rares. Yeah. My, Mike mentioned that Mueller has already moved. I don't think that that's the case. Uh, there's a lot of rumors to Belgium. There's three teams in Belgium, but uh, he, he hasn't moved yet. He, In fact, he should probably play tomorrow. Yeah, and he should be good in Belgium. Like, another thing, another question, right, yeah. is, like, Mueller moving to Belgium is much different than, like, Tessman moving to uh, Serie A. Agreed. Tessman yeah. moving to Serie A, he's probably not going to play. He probably will get loaned out, will go somewhere else. Mueller goes to 
Anderlecht, Mueller probably will. I, I can't imagine Chris Mueller is going to move anywhere where he does not play. Yeah. Um, so if he's moving to Anderlecht, like he's going to play and he'll probably do pretty well there. But um, yeah, like Paredes is rumored to be moving. Uh, Sam Vines, I saw recently, is rumored to be moving. Antwerp. Um, yeah, yeah, to Antwerp. Uh, Kai Wagner is always rumored to be moving. Yeah. Um, there's a few other guys that I've heard some names on. Uh, Tejon Buchanan's likely to be moved at some point. Um, Akinola might go somewhere, but he really shouldn't. Uh, Daryl DK is going to probably be sold to somewhere, and that could be interesting. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of American players. Or you, guys guys both, you guys both own Chris Durkin, right? I own his unique, baby. He played in the MLS, right? Yeah. yeah. What type of player was he in the MLS? Shit. Terrible. He didn't play much, I don't think. No, he didn't. It was like, that was a weird move that, like, he went. Like, he, he was over there and he's been pretty good, right? He's yeah. been fine. Yeah. He was like, when he was playing, he was solid. Like, he was a so, solid 45 55 guy. So, is it fair to say that those leagues are pretty comparable? Yeah, I would say Jupiler. I would say Jupiler League and MLS are, are comparable leagues. Yeah. That's, that's probably, how I, I mean, t- probably the top, it, you know, Bruges and, yes. uh, Antwerp, those teams are better than the best of the MLS, but yeah. they're comparable. Like I would say, like for example, like the top top end of the Jubler League are players that are equivalent or better than Carlos Gill, Carlos Vela. Maybe yeah. not Vela. Well, at this point, probably Vela. Yeah. But like the bottom of the Jubler League is probably not the best. The bottom of the MLS isn't very good either. Um, yeah. so I would say very comparable leagues. That's fair. And the MLS, I, I really think the MLS should become like the Jupiler League. Like they should, which maybe they are becoming based on this. Jupiler League gives younger players chances to play that are stepping stones to champion Europe teams. And that seems like what MLS is somewhat becoming. And it's realistically what it should become. Like MLS should not be using designated players on Gonzalo Higuain type players. They should be using on like Miguel yeah. Almiron type players. Nope. Yeah. No. And like, and then you, if you get a chance, you maybe sell Miguel Almiron for a good price point, and then he goes over and plays well or decently in Europe. That's that's what you're trying to do. But it seems like MLS is more going towards that with like the Busio rumor, the uh, the Vines rumor, the Testman transfer. Like these are guys that are um, supposed to be going over there. Uh, Reynolds, in terms of his progress at Roma, I, I don't know. He's he's not getting enough consistent playing time to have a good option. To me, playing is the most important thing for anybody. I would much rather my player, like, for example, if I use Brian Reynolds, I would much rather Brian Reynolds be at standard Liège than be yeah. at Roma and not playing. Like, I'd rather him be at Liège and play 30-game season and get used to what it's like. Be similar to the McKenzie move, although he didn't play a lot, but he should play a lot this year. Yeah, I, I think McKenzie likely will start this year, assuming they move Lakumi. Um, but yeah, like you want your guys to play. If people, if you go an entire year without playing really consistently, it stunts your growth big time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think one of the best examples, and he's actually a free agent now, is when Miazga went to Chelsea, and we were yeah. like, "Oh, he's never going to play there." And then he got you know four or five straight loans. Yeah. He went to places he played, Correct. and for SO5 for us, like you would much rather him playing at Anderlecht than not what? playing at Chelsea. I th- he finally got released, right? Yeah, his contract's up now. And we're, I think Anderlecht signed him. No, I don't. I think he's I a think free so. agent right now. Um, he's probably cheap because he doesn't have a team. Cool. I had, I had a list of. I was just looking at the Europa League teams, not to roll back to that conversation mm-hmm. again. But 
Um, I was just kind of looking at some of the interesting teams over there and the Silver license teams. Like there's Betis, there's uh, Leverkusen, Lazio, Locomotive, Lyon, Marseille, Napoli, and West Ham. Um, all teams that you can build midweeks out of. Yeah, but you, you got to worry about like a team like West Ham. Are they going to put their main team in the Europa League? Because most Premier League teams and Serie A teams do not run their A team. I think uh, when you really – like if you're not competing for the top, like they're not going to win EPL. So right, like I can see West Ham definitely playing correct. that guy. Me too. Like they could prioritize Europa as the trophy that they want to win this year. Yeah, correct. For sure. Like they could no – or it could be a situation where they decide to make that decision later because a lot of the time they can get through the group stage without that. So, like, they could go through the group stage. But, That's again, like, just talk about it. Like, they could go through the group yeah. stage and not play their main guys and see where they're at in the Premier League table come yeah. September and make a decision. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I got nothing else. Yeah. Um, Our list looks uh, – Look, if there's any questions, uh, I, don't, I don't know if Brent, I don't know if Astor Branks will play at Wolfsburg. My, I'm unsure what he'll do there, Drew. Uh, I, I would Matt rather. Odin, let's pump that card. Come on, he's going to be a starter. And he's going to score goals. <laughs> I, I have one too, but I, I don't know if he's going to be a starter. I'm not sure what the the plan will be after after the miss. I saw him uh, uh, at Mechelen. Uh, I don't know that he'll ever uh, live up to his expectations. I, I have a comment. Yeah. Is that worth more? Because uh, why would anybody have one? It's more rare. It's more rare. I wonder I how many why. there are out there. I have no I idea. Have to get one. One. Maybe lots of people have the, the Franks common. I don't know. When I got it, you could choose. Like, I actually chose to take that card. That's how bad I was. It's so rare when I started. I, I'm not sure who the uh, the replacement is going to be, Sam, for Bergwies. I I'm not sure... Who's going to fill that role at Fire Nord? Uh, it, it's a good, it's a good thing to, to discuss. Um, is Kaku still there? Because I think he took some sets previously. Previously, yeah. So if he's still on sets, like he's probably a good card because I think he's pretty much plays like DM too. So if he's on set, DMs that are on sets generally do really, really well because they have good. It's sort of like why Madron's been so good this year is they've yeah. moved him. To sort of like one of the pivots, but he's a bit more free. But so it's like gets, defenders that are on sets. Yes, they get like good. Hat, your your boy Hat, Hatanaka or whatever he's on Hatanaka. sets or some sets, right? He, he doesn't take sets. I, I think Fukumori does. There was talk of Fukumori taking oh. the PKs with Anderson Lopez gone. Yeah. But like, yeah, if you're taking sets and you're a DM, especially as a mid, because you don't really lose tons for negatives. Because basically, look at it like this: anytime you convert a corner kick. You get, let's say, two points for um, like a box entry and a long pass. And then you get, so you like floors two points. And then if they get a shot off, which a lot, hey, you can just have a shot, just airmail it off. You're talking four points. And if they have end up with a big chance, which a lot of the time they count those as big chances off corners, you're talking like your guy just like got seven points or like six, five to seven points. For one corner kick. Yeah, then, it also depends on if they they take a shot too. I mean, yeah. then, then it's a in a chance created or a attempted assist or I don't know. Yeah. 
Those, those points can really multiply. They can really multiply. And, you, and especially, like, if your guy's a midfielder, they don't really don't lose much. Like, if, if he loses um, – and that's why you look at, like, Mueller. Mueller for Orlando takes a lot of set pieces. When they when he doesn't complete them, like, he loses 10 corners in a row and just loses possession on him. He doesn't get killed by the possession loss. But, like, he gets on one – someone gets on the end of one of them for a errant shot that goes 20 yards over the net, probably makes up for all the errant ones – or all the negative corners he has all game. And then all obviously, like if he gets an assist off, it's massive. Um, yeah, Furhashi could be good at Celtic. It it depends. It depends if he starts. I, I don't know if he's going to start or not. Um, it's, it's is that one of the J League guys? Because I don't know who that is. Yeah, he's J League guy. So the, the issue with J League guys is they don't pay that well in Japan. There's a possibility he just took a payday to come here and maybe didn't like be like, hey. I want to start, but he's 26. I got to think if he's coming over here, he's pretty confident in uh, in starting. So it's it's if he starts, he's probably going to be really good because Celtics the one of the better teams in that league. If he yep. doesn't start, obviously he's a disaster. <laughs> not starting, always a disaster. Yeah, not starting. Time. He's definitely moving for his careers with. Mikasi says. Yeah, I would agree, Masaki. I think that that's the plan would be for him to play left wing. The question is, is will he integrate immediately into the lineup? That part I don't know about. Uh, I'm not familiar enough with Celtic as. I mean, I guess if he if it was more of a payday, he'd be going to the Middle East. If he wants to advance his career, he's going to a league that he can do that. So true. And and the issue is, is I I I think I think someone else was talking about earlier. And they're like, I bought him because yeah, I thought he was too old to move out of the J League. It's so true because like I've gone to a thought process of like once they're like twenty five or twenty six, if they're still in the J League, I'm thinking they're going to stay in the J League, which is yeah, what I want. Go. But if I'm buying a J League player or an MLS player, I generally want them to stay in that league. Yeah, if they go to another league, I probably don't think they're good enough to be good in those leagues. Yeah, I I love Chris Mueller. I just I, I hate the idea of him taking personally. I just don't like the the risk that that creates of him moving to another league because he's great where he's at now. And it's like, eh, he moves to another league, he could still be great. Don't get me wrong. He could fit in really well in, in, a, in a team in, in JPL. But, uh, you know, selfishly, I just want him to be content in Orlando. Yeah, I, I want – I want – I have Mueller's unique, so I definitely would much rather Mueller plants his ass in Orlando – for the next decade. And because I think Black and I've talked about this before. We both think Mueller is too good for the MLS, but maybe not good enough to really hack it in Europe. So like that type of player smashes the MLS. Yeah. As he hits his prime 27, 28 years old as an MLS player that's played for like six, seven years, he can really do really, really well. So like that was part of my reasoning for buying the Mueller unique. I thought Jordan Morris last year thinking the exact same thing. Exactly. And Yes, and that's that's what happens. Like you did, and I'm not saying I'm not saying Mueller maybe couldn't have been successful at Swansea, but like, what's the point? Like I don't know. I guess my issue too is like, well, I, that was that was a that was a loan. He wasn't going yeah. there permanently, and he was trying to get him promoted. You know, and if he helps them get promoted, he might be on a EPL team next year. I don't Correct. know. Which which is the thought process? I think the thought process is that they would have like bought him and Ariola. Yeah. They got promoted or something, but like Ariola was obviously pretty shit there, and Morris yeah. obviously had what happened to him. But I don't know. For me, it's difficult. Like, if you're not going to play at the top top level, find yourself somewhere to play and get 
good money to do that. That makes sense for you. I, I just, all these guys transferring to like these weird teams. It's like, dude, you're 27. Why are you transferring? Like, I mean, Firahashi, like, I don't know how the pay is in Japan for him and what his pay raise is going to be here. But like, to me, it's like, why are you leaving your home country to go play uh, at Celtic? Where like, by the time, like, let's say he has a great year or two at Celtic. He's 29 by the time he would move on somewhere. Like, where are you really going to go from there? Like, are you yeah. really going to go to like, Tottenham or like Manchester United or like anything like that, or are you just gonna stay at Celtic for six seven years? Like maybe you'll stay. Maybe for him that's a better option than than staying at home. It just it always surprised me. And, and everyone's different. Everyone has different motives for what they're doing stuff for. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, I think we have hit our time limit here. So, uh, Sean, thank you very much for for coming back. Um, I think we could have you every week probably. I just make turn it into the two Andrews and PSU show every week. Word out of my mind. Until we did that, at least this is still the Silver Andrews podcast brought to you by Rotowire. Um, we will be back next week, I believe, with another topic. So if anybody has anything they'd like us to specifically cover, um, definitely reach out to me. You can find me on Twitter at Rotowire Andrew. You can find Andy at ablack86, also available in the SoRare Discord. So find us there. Uh, Sean, thank you again. Andy, I'll talk to you next week. See you guys. Thank you for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Soccer Podcast. For more great content, visit rotowire.com slash soccer.